Why is the church a last resort on this edition of Truth and Love? I'm Dale Johnson, and you're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, where we seek to provide biblical solutions for the problems that people face. This week on the podcast, I want us to address a topic that has been quite a burden of mine for a while. And as I think about the church, oftentimes what we see is that the church, for some reason, has become uh, the last resort that people uh, go to in order to find help and hope for their problems, uh, when in reality what we should see in the Scriptures is that the church ought to be one of the primary places uh, that people go to whenever their lives, uh, they experience brokenness of some sort. And that burden is uh, a huge burden of mine as I think about the culture at large. I can remember being on staff at a local church, and uh, my primary duty was to uh, lead family ministry and discipleship and then also counseling ministry. And along with that, I, I can recall on many, many occasions in the office that uh, we as the pastors were sometimes the last to know of problems that were going on in the lives of some of our people. And I was often, maybe at first as a pastor, a little bit uh, hurt by that, that there was not trust there um, between us and wondering what in the world was going on with the person uh, who was very faithful to our church and was coming consistently, but wondering, you know, wh- what's the aversion? Why do they not want to talk to to us? Why did they not want to let us know uh, what was going on? And, and there could be a myriad of reasons as why something like that may be true. But I also began to realize part of the reason, and maybe this is a primary reason, is uh, the church in general has really demonstrated that we ought to be a last resort with many human problems. And let me see if I can explain what I mean by that. When uh, a person is dealing with something like anxiety or depression, oftentimes we do not think about those problems that we're experiencing, that the real legitimate human experiences and the emotions that people are feeling, we often don't see those things in the category of the spiritual. We, we don't see those things in the, in the realm of the church. We, we've categorized them in such a way that uh, there's another place that you go to, whether that be the psychologist or the psychiatrist or the general practitioner. And I'm not saying with certain physical issues that you shouldn't go see a general practitioner. Please don't hear me say that. But what I am saying is that what's now become predominant uh, is that some of these quote-unquote emotional issues or psychological issues are not seen as primarily the responsibility of the church. Now, I think that's quite unfortunate because as we categorize these types of human problems, uh, these are domains that we see very prevalent in the Scripture. We, we see expressions of these things in the Scripture. Uh, for example, we think about depression or deep uh, sadness or even suicidal ideation. We see very clearly in the Scriptures expressions where people who are very mature in faith were experiencing deep difficulty and deep struggle, deep despair, extreme vexations of the soul. And that's not something that's foreign to Scripture. It's demonstrating that this is common to our human experience. And the beauty of God revealing these intimate details of the lives of even some very mature people in the Scriptures, people who had a a strong relationship with God, it indicates that these are problems that are in the spiritual domain and that God is intended to be our help, our hope, our rock, our fortress, our defense, our deliverer, 
we see these terms in this particular way. And I think it's really critical for us to shift back uh, into this uh, recategorizing what God says is absolutely uh, true about us, that our experiences, the difficulties, ought to not be categorized in such a way as to push them away from the church. Even physical issues that we deal with, uh, there are physical aspects, but we cannot divide man to such a degree to where something is a physical issue only. We are a holistic being, which means that even when we encounter physical problems, the church is intended to be a haven. The church is intended to be a place where people can go to receive encouragement, to receive help, to receive hope that's found in the Lord Jesus relative to their particular issue that, that's intended to bring peace, that's intended to bring comfort, that's intended to lighten their load. And, and I fear what's happened is we've been deceived in our culture in looking outward and we've said that, no, that's the domain that, that exists outside of the church. We've categorized these problems or allowed them to be categorized as non-spiritual issues or simply as, quote-unquote, psychological issues. I think that's dangerous. I think it's dangerous for us in the church to allow that to happen, to allow that to continue to happen. I think there's a second reason, though. And I think the second reason is the way in which we've thought about pastoral duties, some of the ways that we think about pastoral duties and, and this transition really at the beginning of the 20th century, uh, well, you could go before that, but even, even after the 20th century, you really began to see a shift in the role of pastoral duty. Now, some of that was just the, the ebb and flow and change of the way people tried to describe the functionality of the church and that the church needed to kind of catch up with the times to be more relevant and so on. But we saw a distinct way of thinking about pastoral duty shift. And the church began to function more like an organization, more like a business, uh, and pastoral duty needed to be restructured in order to uh, be able to manage, to have someone who would lead and manage now this organization. And even in theological training, what we began to see was a shift in the way that we train pastors. We train pastors, yes, theologically, and we train them about uh, the New Testament and the Old Testament and how to preach and things like that. But now we're not talking about how to shepherd. We're not talking about particularly pastoral duties, like the private ministry of the Word. We, we talk, even in conservative churches, we talk very heavily, and praise be to the Lord for this, we talk very heavily about the power of the Word in expository preaching. And praise the Lord, we should think about the Word being that strong that when we corporately preach the Word, we see hearts and lives discerned and convicted and, and changed, that their, their mind and, and heart become illuminated to the problems that they face, and they find hope in the Scriptures. And that is a part of the duty of the preacher, of the pastor. But I was also submit part of the duty that we've left off that has really sent a message, not just to our people in the church, but even to the world outside, that the part of the pastor's role is not primarily to minister the Word privately. I think this has led to a misnomer, a misunderstanding, uh, where that's even trickled down to uh, his people in the church, that that's not really his primary duty. He's not trained to do that because we've stripped that from theological education to a large degree. Uh, but not only is he not trained to do that, he's not trained in counseling. He's not trained in how to think about those intimate problems of people more often than not. And I think that sends a message to uh, people in the church, number one, saying that, well, if the pastor can't deal with this issue, then uh, I need to go elsewhere to find out how to deal with this issue. The, the, the other thing I would say is that if the pastor can't deal with these, some of these issues, 
then what does that mean for the, the laity, right? I mean, can the laity deal with this if, if this is too much for the pastor, if this is outside the, the realm of the pastor and his spiritual duty to minister to people? And if the Word is not powerful enough, at least this is the message, if the Word is not powerful enough for the pastor to be able to employ it to help people in these very complex problems that they're experiencing, how in the world is a layperson going to engage in that type of ministry? And so we can have a very loving fellowship, but even in that loving fellowship, what begins to happen is, is people start to categorize problems and say, "That's a, we love you, we want to take care of you, we're glad that you're here, uh, but this is not our domain. And no matter how much we want to love them, we're not really engaging in ministry to them because uh, there's this disconnect in thinking that uh, the ministry of the Word and the hope that Christ gives us through the Word and the, the ability of the Word to discern that person's problems and to really help them walk through the darkness of life. As the Bible promises, we will have trouble and that this, this life is full of darkness. And if those things are true, then the pastor should be equipped and ready to minister the Word, not just corporately, but also privately. And then secondarily, we see, you know, as a myriad of texts in the New Testament, how we are to want to do the one another's. We're, we're to live with each other, communicating the Word for purposes of encouragement and admonition and confrontation and, uh, and love and gentleness and mercy and help, as we see in the Scriptures. But we've categorized these problems in such a way that now we're disconnected from that. Part of it's we really enjoy in the church a sanitary environment. We like it when we think there are no problems. But that is a facade. And we all know that because Paul makes very clear in Romans 6 and 7 that he still lives in a body of death. He, he still struggles with the flesh to a great degree. And he's a well-saved man. He's writing Romans. This is toward the end of his journey. And so we think about life in the church and... We want things to be sanitary, but the reality is we're a bunch of broken people fellowshipping together because we have deep needs. We have deep difficulties. And so for us to desire just simply a sanitary environment is not welcoming to people. It's not helpful for people when they see that, oh, it looks like on Facebook and, uh, and in, on a Sunday morning that these people have it all together, when in reality uh, we know the truth. We know the truth that we all struggle in many ways. We all fight temptation. We all struggle with uh, the flesh. We all struggle with mortifying the flesh and pursuing the Spirit. The church is actually not a very sanitary place. It's to be a holy place. We're consistent to pursue holiness, and we do that together. But when a person is broken, the primary place that we ought to see them is running to the church as a place of care and hope. Now, one final thing, and there are a lot of reasons we could spend a lot of time talking about this, but one final thing I think is that uh, we've, in some ways, because of the ways that we categorize problems, we've acted as though the gospel is sufficient for justification, but this whole process of sanctification is, uh, we're not sure if the gospel is quite sufficient for it. And so that causes two problems. The first is it continues to build the narrative that there are problems in human life that are non-spiritual at base, that there's no spiritual responsibility within certain problems that we have. The second thing that it does is it really begins to disarm the means by which God says human change happens. And so we have to bring back the idea in the Scriptures that if we're all in process of sanctification, we're all broken. If we're all in process of sanctification, we all still need the gospel, which was powerful enough to justify and praise be to God 
through his Holy Spirit, it's also powerful enough to change us, to make us new, to provide comfort in difficulty, uh, not just to address sin and help us to mortify it, but also when, when life is dark, when life is difficult, that the burden that Christ gives to us, it's an, it's an easy and light burden, and there we can find rest for our souls. We have to remember that we have to properly categorize human problems. And I think this is a way in which the church has continued to perpetuate some of these problems. What I would see in the New Testament is that the New Testament makes very clear that the church, in all of its essence and in every function that the church is called to do, whether we're talking about evangelism, whether we're talking about discipleship, whether we're talking about one anothering, whether we're talking about the, me- the preaching of the word, or whether we're talking about one-on-one discipleship, what should be happening on all those levels at every point is the ministry of the Word is employed. Sometimes it's in a public forum, sometimes it's corporately, and sometimes it's, it's privately. But all of it, evangelism, is for the purpose of soul care. Discipleship is really for the purpose of soul care, to help utilize the Word of God to recover what's been broken or what's been lost or stolen by the evil one. And so I think it's important for us to think about the church. What kind of church do we have? Do we have a church that really pursues and promotes that this is the haven, this is the place, this is the body, this is the institution that Christ has given for broken people? I think today we should be cautious because we're sending a message in a lot of different directions that we're not the first place that people should come. We're actually functioning often as a last resort. I do hope you'll consider and think about the things that we've talked about today and even consider the scriptural relevance to the things that we've talked about. As we see in our world today, there's a continuing growth of difficulty and problems, and people in our world are becoming uh, more forward about some of those problems. This is the hour. This is the day that we could see that the church could rise to recover our identity as the place of primacy. The primary place at which we see people who are broken can come. They are welcomed. They are called to be obedient to the Word. They are ministered to. They they learn about who God is in His character to find that He's the one who's their protector and their shield. He's their provider. He's their deliverer. Like, this is the way that we see people ministered to at a deep level. This is a moment for the church. And I pray that we would continue to build the church and build the identity of the church through the Lord Jesus Christ, that we would learn to minister in the same way he is the good shepherd has so well ministered to our souls. You're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of ACBC. You know, in just a few short weeks, we're going to gather together at our ACBC annual conference in Memphis, Tennessee. One of the things that I pray that we are able to do is to recover categories back to a biblical understanding of human problems. Now, we can't do all of that in one fail swoop and one conference, but we're going to attempt to do that in the area of depression, suicidal ideation, because the world has told us a lot of lies about these ideas. And I pray that what we're able to do is we're able to wield the word to describe deep, difficult vexations of the soul and how the word described those human problems and that we recover a biblical identity so that we empower the church to say that's our domain 
we can deal with this issue through the power of the Spirit, through the example of Christ, and through His Word. So I hope you'll join us in a couple of weeks as we attempt to recover some of these categories to empower the church uh, with the power of the Word of God on October 7th through the 9th in Memphis, Tennessee. If you want to know more about our annual conference, The Valley of the Shadow, Suicide, Self-Harm, and the Scriptures, you can find out more information about that at biblicalcounseling.com.